0: By listening to the Conscious Fertility Podcast, you agree to not use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. Consult your own physician or healthcare provider for any medical issues that you may be having. This entire disclaimer also applies to any guests or contributors to the podcast. Welcome to Conscious Fertility, the show that listens to all of your fertility questions so that you can move from fear and suffering to peace of mind and joy. My name is Lauren Brown. I'm a doctor of traditional Chinese medicine and a clinical hypnotherapist. I'm on a mission to explore all the paths to peak fertility and joyful living. It's time to learn how to be and receive so that you can create life on purpose. Today on the Conscious Fertility Podcast, I have my colleague and friend, Christina Burns, and uh, she is a doctor of Chinese medicine. She's a fellow of the ABRM, that's the Acupuncture and TCM Board of Reproductive Medicine. We have broken bread and learned together uh, many times in Vancouver at the Integrative Fertility Symposium, and she has recently published a book that she's taken from her experience, where she's been in practice since 2004. Her practice is in New York, and her clinic name is uh, Naturna. And her book is called The Ultimate Fertility Guide. Actually, I'm going to bring it up here, The Ultimate Fertility Guide. And um, I had a chance to read through it, and I wanted to have Christina to talk a little bit more for my listeners about her approach to fertility and all the things they can do while they're trying to conceive naturally using natural approaches or with IVF. So, Christina, welcome to the Conscious Fertility Podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Now, why did you write the book? Let's just start with that. This all this is a great looking book and it's got so much material. The Ultimate Fertility Guidebook. Why did you write this, Christina?
1: So I wrote this because I found that over the years that the women and couples that I were seeing, especially the women, were very hungry for knowledge. Like the, the women I see, I always say it's more of like a type A demographic. And when you start trying to become pregnant, especially if you're having challenges, it becomes a very type A ordeal. Like, You want to know everything you possibly can. You want to be doing everything you can, whether it's nutrition, supplements, how to exercise or not. And so the conversations that I was having over the years with fertility patients, I found that, you know, I was obviously doing a lot of acupuncture and Eastern medicine, but a lot of it was questions about what should I eat? What should I not eat? You know, what supplements can I take? What other ways can I optimize my fertility? And there was this desire I noticed You know, from these patients that I was seeing to really take charge. And I was inspired by that. And so as I was giving this advice over the years, I started developing handouts. I was giving out handouts and it ended up being this kind of educational (laughs) experience on top of the treatment that I was doing. And so eventually I thought, let me put this all into one resource so that it can be available to more people and hopefully help as many people as possible.
0: And an excellent resource it is. And again, we'll put a link to the book in our show notes. And today we're going to explore kind of an overview of your approach to helping men and women optimize their fertility while they're trying to conceive. Now you had said mostly women. So I want to ask you this question. Is it mostly women that you see in your practice? Because that's been my experience, even when it's diagnosed as male factor. I'm just wondering if it's just something in Vancouver, Canada, or is it something you see? Is it a global global issue that the men maybe not be as involved with fertility treatments as women are?
1: Oh, it's absolutely the case. It also is just you know, I think it's a woman's nature to seek solutions and to like not have ego get in the way. Um, Men are proud. You are one, right? Uh, And I do find that the fertility industry as a whole kind of downplays male factor infertility because they basically say, oh, it's fine. We'll do ICSI, intracytoplasmic sperm injection. And then doesn't matter that your sperm are terrible kind of thing, which, you know, I believe on many levels is not the case. I think that if we were, you know, having males play more of a role in this fertility journey, then I think outcomes actually would be better. But to answer your question directly, it is absolutely correct. I see mostly women. If I see men, it's usually for a short period of time leading up to them giving sperm for an IVF cycle or something um, because they've been persuaded to do so.
0: Persuaded. Um, You know, as as you shared, like The outcome would probably be different if more men were involved and as you shared ICSI sometimes is a way to bypass where they'll do that rather than change diet lifestyle supplements acupuncture to improve their sperm quality we i wanted to give a shout out to two of our episodes that we had, we had Dr. Paul Turek, who's a reproductive urologist on one of our episodes. I'm looking for that right now as we chat to give you a number. Oh, that was episode number 31. And we had doctor, she's a medical doctor and trained acupuncturist, Olivia Poye, talk about in episode 19 about sperm. And in listening to both their podcasts, they both share actually that more and more unexplained infertility and Early pregnancy loss is being connected or um, attributed to often male factor, and it's hard to um, often diagnose male factor. Just because your sperm parameters look good doesn't mean you're going to give life. And as you shared, our goal is like the health of the baby, right? Better outcomes, and so we don't want to just grab any sperm in ICSI. Ideally, we'd like the men to do some preconception care, like like the women do.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, I think part of the issue is that you know, more advanced testing of the sperm, like DNA fragmentation testing is still very kind of controversial. Like, is it valid? Is it not valid? But in my opinion, if you're able to do a a form of testing that can show more free radical oxidative damage, more inflammation in the system, then that's valuable for saying, okay, well, we're not sure yet about what outcomes, you know, if this influences outcomes, but if you use your logical mind, you would think it probably does. If oxidative damage affects egg quality why wouldn't it matter for sperm
0: right and they're starting to show that it does so yeah um, it takes two to make a baby sperm and egg at this stage of the game and so it's good to have um, if you're not using say donor sperm and using sperm of a known person then you want that to be at its peak fertility potential at the time of conception or insemination well, let's talk about your approach so i kind of want to go big picture to to some of the details so when you see whether trying to conceive naturally with ivf in an ideal situation is there a time that you want to have to work with them to support them to see change to see a shift to help them optimize their fertility
1: Absolutely. I mean, if we were looking at an ideal scenario, I, I would love to see somebody three to six months from trying before trying. And that's really to get their mind and their body into a good place. And if we're working on issues of egg quality, if we're working on issues of failed implantation or unexplained infertility, there's so many factors that could be involved and i believe that a whole lifestyle approach is very important and very effective in restoring the balance needed to conceive a healthy pregnancy and if you put the time in in advance oftentimes it changes the duration that you're trying so the amount of failed IVF cycles or the amount of times if you're trying naturally that you get your period and are you know drinking a bottle of wine because you got your period again if you do the preconception planning it is more likely, in my opinion, that you will have less months of trying. So it's like, okay, do you want to put the time in to trying and go through that agony? Or do you want to put the time in at the like, before even starting and get into a better place? Now, what I see is generally that people don't really have the foresight. And and I Totally understand that. I don't think I was, you know, doing the best preconception planning when I first started. And when I ran into trouble myself with my fertility is when I, when I jumped into action, we're not a preventative society, but I do believe there's a a large benefit to starting in advance. If you're already in the throes of things, just start as soon as possible.
0: Now you mentioned just now that you had challenges. So can you share a little bit with our listeners? What was your personal experience? Cause you're a practitioner supporting men and women to optimize their fertility, whether trying to conceive naturally or through IUI, IVF. Are you willing to share a little bit about your story?
1: Absolutely. I'm an open book. It's literally in my book, (laughs) my my story. So I have polycystic ovarian syndrome. I've had a lot of hormonal issues since menarche, since my period arrived when I was a teenager. I had your typical PCOS symptoms. I had ovarian cysts. I had acne. I had trouble controlling my weight, my mood. But it was never diagnosed, even despite cysts and things, because I had a regular period. And because I was athletic, I never got very overweight. And so it went undiagnosed, and I just dealt with really unpleasant hormonal and mood symptoms. Well into my 20s, when I went to China and did my residency, suddenly my period stopped altogether. And so it went from being very regular to I have no period. And when I was doing some medical camps in India, I I went and saw a village doctor with an ultrasound. And he found that my ovaries were covered in cysts. And he, at that point, diagnosed polycystic ovarian syndrome. And I ended up using natural methods to restore my... So
0: so you had to go to India to get diagnosed for PCOS coming from the States. Interesting. Isn't that so funny? That That is crazy, yeah.
1: Yeah, because I I had seen doctors growing up in Canada, and I I never like nobody ever diagnosed it. Was so textbook to me being a practitioner: acne, belly fat, mood issues, cysts on the ovaries coming and going. Like I I don't know what could be more clear other than me not having an irregular period, and and that's why they call it a spectrum disorder because you have you have some and not necessarily all the symptoms of. Of the issue,
0: you know, I forgot that you grew up in Alberta, Canada, and then now you're in New York. So I keep I, I forget because you mm. have that nice Canadian part of you. So yeah, that, that, well, you just mentioned that. So you went to India, you got diagnosed, and then how? And then you started using some of these natural approaches. You were still doing your training then for Chinese medicine when you're doing your residency at this time.
1: I did. So I went to China, I did my residency, and then I decided to go get a bunch more experience doing village sort of acupuncture camps in India and Nepal. So I went and did that. And whilst I was there, that's where I went to see the village doctor and got diagnosed. And it was very upsetting because I I didn't see it coming. At that point, I was not specialized yet in women's health and fertility. So although I, I had heard of PCOS, I certainly did not know that I had it. Eventually, I don't know, maybe six months to a year later, I came back to Canada and I started seeing a practitioner and doing acupuncture and my period started coming back, but only every 21 days. And so then I added, I didn't know an herbalist in the area. So I started writing my own herbal formulas and I was able to restore my period to a 27, 28 day cycle interestingly, a few years later, uh, when I was living in New York, I was working in a fertility clinic, and I decided to have my AMH tested. And usually with PCOS, you have a high AMH, like 2.5, 3, sometimes 6. And I actually had a very low AMH, so which is very atypical. For
0: I just want to say for our, our listeners, because we have them in Europe and Canada as well, the unit she was talking about is part of the American uh, unit system. So in Canada, those numbers would be different. Those would be American values, just to, to give them a shout out uh, on that. So, yeah, not so know that. yeah, if it's over three something in the American values, then it's kind of like they start to speculate. It could be PCOS. But in Canada, we the metric system, different numbers. And so it'd be a different value that you'd have to have to use. But like you said, you were not the typical polycystic ovarian syndrome. And in this case, you actually had low AMH. Yeah, so I have
1: a I had a low AMH. And that was, I think I was around 29 when I checked and silly me, I waited until I was 35 to start trying to get pregnant. You know, at that point, seeing uh, a low AMH, I probably should have gotten the show on the road. I waited. And, and then when I finally started trying, I had trouble. I had a miscarriage at about 11 weeks. It was a chromosomal abnormality. And then I had another miscarriage uh, a little bit earlier on in another pregnancy, uh, maybe five, six months later. And in that time, I started taking herbs and I was doing acupuncture all the while. Acupuncture was actually helping me to get pregnant very easily. I believe that adding the herbs and changing my lifestyle, lowering stress, getting outside more, because it was a very stressful time in my career having started a business. But I believe that the changes I made eventually led to a, a healthy pregnancy that I conceived naturally.
0: And you conceived that naturally and you now have a couple of kids.
1: I have three. I have three natural conceptions. Yes, keeping me busy.
0: And see, the women and men you see are so fortunate because not only you have the knowledge, but you've had your personal experience. So just to have that relatability and get what they're going through and have used the medicine and these approaches for yourself must work well for them and also give you the confidence. Both of you get the confidence because you have that special experience of being through, going through this process yourself.
1: Definitely. And and just having been through a hormonal roller coaster, like knowing the power they can have over our mind, over the way we feel in our body, you know, seeing all these women going through IVF, I, you know, have an inkling of of what it feels like to make your hormones make you feel crazy. And just, you know, the, the deep desire and longing to conceive and, and what that does to your psyche, it can't be ignored, you can't kind of snap out of it, you, you can't let it go until you're there.
0: You know, and I want to find out kind of the things that you're seeing in your practice, and we're going to talk about your approach too, which you kind of shared a little bit from your own personal story, but now that you've been practicing since 2004, I'd be curious to see how you've put it all together. Polycystic ovarian syndrome is one of the things I really enjoy to treat because no surprise to anybody when you get good results in something you tend to like it and and I find Chinese medicine using the acupuncture herbs which we include diet and lifestyle supplements that is Chinese medicine it's not just acupuncture herbs it's the diet and lifestyle as well. I've just seen, as you've seen, people that have had unsuccessful IVFs go on to conceive naturally or people who don't cycle or hardly cycle end up getting their cycles back. And so has that been your experience? I know you have it for yourself, but in your practice, have you found this as well? Something that this modality, herbs, acupuncture, lifestyle, supplements are something that they respond well to people that have the diagnosis of PCOS?
1: Absolutely. I often tell people it's like the best fertility issue to have, unless you're like me, where you have low ovarian reserve in the PCOS situation. But I think if you if you have a high ovarian reserve and you're willing to clean up your lifestyle a little bit and dedicate yourself to a form of natural medicine, like acupuncture and Eastern medicine in general, I think it, it has the potential to transform your life, not only to get you pregnant, but for you to learn how to regulate your hormones forevermore.
0: What are the things that you are seeing in your practice in, like that you're supporting women trying to conceive? So polycystic ovarian syndrome, what are some of the other things that are quite common to come into your clinic in New York?
1: Polycystic ovarian syndrome, there's a lot of it. I see a lot of low ovarian reserve a lot, especially when there's been IVF failures. Like, you know, they just haven't produced many eggs. New York is a a place where not many people give a lot of time to try naturally. Um, it, Cause here you don't need a referral to go to a doctor. You can just go right to the IVF doctor and start right away. So I see a lot of IVF and I see it for unexplained reasons. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of age related fertility challenges. It just gets harder as we get older, the very ambiguous egg quality issue thing, which may be age related. It might be lifestyle related amenorrhea, just no period at all. Hashimoto's thyroiditis, where and right. you have, you know, a thyroid and autoimmune issue t- together. Autoimmune infertility besides Hashimoto's, you know, if there's maybe something going on with the immune system, I'm seeing more and more of that these days. That's causing failed implantation. That's causing egg quality issues. That's causing unknown origin fertility issues.
0: And do you see, because um, we just had endometriosis awareness month recently, do you see endometriosis in your practice as well? That kind of diagnosis?
1: Oh, lots. Endometriosis fibroids, adenomyosis, a lot of, a lot of that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You have a busy practice. So of course you're seeing so many of these different conditions. Let's talk about your approach. When I looked through your book, it was, you know, you had that preconception, you know, ideally spending a few cycles, three to six cycles, kind of optimizing, I say, nourish the soul before you plant the seed, that Chinese proverb, preparing um, the body for conception, whether it's natural IVF. So it looks like you do some detoxification.
1: Yes. I do recommend detoxification, at least a gentle detoxification in some cases, especially if there is some known exposure to junk in the system. If you live in a polluted city like New York or if you've lived in Asia or something, then I might be suggesting something. Um, Multiple IVF cycles or even one IVF cycle. In general, I'm not recommending very uh, intensive detox regimes like a juice fast or a master cleanse where you're wherein you're only drinking liquid. I try to keep it very gentle because it's a lot of stress on the body. Uh, the body and the mind are already under a lot of stress. So- basically a clean diet is my detox regime like cutting out inflammatory foods gluten dairy sugar booze corn soy you know for a period of time to just let everything calm down and so that's part of the sort of initial cleansing phase and then at the same time from a nutritional principle i'm teaching what foods are good for female hormones what foods are good for certain conditions
0: i resonate with your approach because at our clinic in vancouver we're very similar. We don't do an aggressive detox. There's always a case where somebody's very toxic where we could, but in general, it's it's a supportive detoxification. And going back to that idea of nourish the soil before you plant the seed, if the soil, the cellular environment has weeds in it or some contaminated soil or big rocks, we want to move the rocks, move out the contaminated soil, pull some weeds. And that's how you're doing it through diet, taking away those inflammatory foods or doing your best to avoid some of the exposure because these things can impair, and I saw this in your book, it impairs your fertility. can get in the way of reaching your peak fertility potential, both the egg and sperm quality. So love the detox that you share in your book. You do dietary, you just mentioned, supplements, acupuncture, and herbal. Can you share some of your common supplements. I know they change with conditions, but since you've had PCOS, it's something you see a lot, love to hear kind of what you kind of generally like with PCOS and then in general, what you would recommend. I will remind our listeners for dosaging and really for yourself, this is not medical advice. This is just us geeking out and do do talk to your healthcare provider to see what's the right um, supplements for yourself. But I'm curious in general, what do you find you're most commonly prescribing your patients?
1: Yeah. So I prescribe some that I find that IVF doctors will, they they will accept them because one of the things that I encounter with my patients that they are already working with, a fertility doctor, then I have to be a little bit conservative about what I'm kind of dealing <laughs> because so, so that they'll be able to take it and it won't be a conflict. So omega-3 is a supplement I love. It reduces inflammation, increases blood flow. It's been shown in studies to help egg quality over the age of 35. It helps with implantation because of the lowering of inflammation, the balancing of the, of the immune system and the thinning of the blood. So I love omega-3. I like magnesium a lot. Also was shown to help with egg quality And it relaxes the person, can help you sleep. It'll help you a lot with bloating if you're dealing with hormonal type bloating.
0: And the adrenals love it. And blood sugar regulator, like it's such an essential nutrient that we are mineral that we're depleted in, right?
1: Yes. And and so many women are depleted of it. Uh, I personally love submerging myself in an Epsom salt, basically magnesium bath before bed every night, just as as an anti-inflammatory health ritual. So that magnesium is another fave. I love NAC. NAC is a great one for PCOS, but it can also be used for egg quality miscarriage prevention. One of the reasons why I love it so much as an antioxidant, it is very helpful for anxiety. And since this is such a tough process to go through, to have a sort of anti-anxiety natural medication that also is helping the fertility aspect is great. And magnesium can play that role too.
0: You know, I want to share something with supplements and see if you you, you think this way as well. Often when I work with medical doctors in general, and this is going years back, but they were like, how can magnesium help with all these things? You know, muscle pain, anxiety, sleep, PMS, fertility, or how can the essential fatty acid? And it's not that, because they're thinking it like a drug, like, oh, this is treating this disease. It's not quite that way. The cell needs this. And if the cell has this, it functions and we have health and vitality. If the cell's lacking, then it breaks down and it can show up as headache or can show up as constipation or can show up as infertility or insomnia. It's not that it treats all these diseases, it's that the body needs it. And when the body has it, then it can do its innate ability to heal. So I just want to share that with our listeners because so often they're like, it can't do all that. Well, it's not that it's doing all that, like it's treating these diseases. It's actually giving your body what it needs so your body can run its regular immune system, checks and balances and create vitality. And that's why some of these um, supplements that we're recommending is because it's part of that. You remember the soil, guys? It's part of what the soil needs to be uh, nourishing for the cell in this case. So. Yeah,
1: to get your body into like more optimal functioning order. Because I always tell people that it's the internal environment that we're working on. Like you can you can say it's super targeted. Like we're working on egg quality, we're working on uterine lining, we're working on PCOS. So what we're doing essentially with our medicine, with our recommendations for your lifestyle or natural medicine wise, is is really to change the internal environment to be more favorable to be able to produce better quality eggs, to be able to grow a uterine lining, to be able to metabolize your hormones properly. And my book, like the preface of it is really that modern lifestyle is kind of hard on us. It, it's very fast paced. it uh, we're eating a lot of processed foods. we're eating on the fly, we're not taking a lot of downtime. we're exposed to a lot of toxins. And so the whole program is basically centered around combating these like modern lifestyle challenges, the ways that we are out of balance. So the four kind of culprits that I outline in the book are inflammation, insulin and blood sugar issues, Toxicity and stress hormones, and so when I am making recommendations, it's generally something to target one of those or all of them at once.
0: Yeah, usually all of them at once, right? Usually they come in uh, they come in pairs or triplets. A lot of these imbalances.
1: Totally, they feed into one one another, and it's this vicious cycle.
0: And so again, you're like my twin in New York because I love my magnesium. I love my essential fatty acids. I love my inositol cysteine, precursor to that great antioxidant glutathione. And there's many more that I'll just encourage our, our listeners to go check out your book so you can see that full list of supplements that you recommend and then talk to your healthcare provider. In your personal experience and with your patients, you obviously use acupuncture. Do you have a frequency that you wish your patients would do? Or is it like, how often are you seeing them or would recommend them coming in to get the most benefit from acupuncture?
1: As a general rule, I usually uh, say, try to come twice a week. I think most of the research around acupuncture is based on that frequency. When I did my residency in China, people were coming frequently, two, three times a week. And I do find that you get you know very obvious results that way. Now that said, people are busy and there's often a cost to doing acupuncture. So I say to balance it out with what you're able to do. Like if it's going to cause you more stress financially or with your schedule to get here, then maybe you're doing it once a week and you're really taking charge with the lifestyle stuff and taking some herbs or, or something like that. But As a general rule, twice a week. And, and, you know, we can get more nuanced with it in an IVF cycle or in a natural cycle.
0: And, you know, you get the momentum. So if you're coming in that twice a week for a couple of cycles and you're PMS is diminished or gone, your menstrual pain or clotting has gone, your cycles become regular, mood sleep, like you notice these changes, then you can start to pull back the acupuncture to once a week or less as well. But it's kind of getting that momentum where the body is now in that homeostasis balance state. So it's doing it so you can pull the acupuncture away. So it's not like twice a week forever, right?
1: That's it. It's like, you know, investment upfront to get this long-term benefit and there's a cumulative benefit. Now, I don't know about you, Lauren, but when I see people, they're generally already in the throes of, of trying to get pregnant or fertility treatment. Like I have very few that are doing a preconception planning approach. If it's preconception planning, I say they can come once a week or if it's, you know, they're taking a long break between cycles or something like that. But when they're already in the throes of it, I'm like, let's let's get on top of this and, yeah. and get and, you know, assist your body in all of these processes as much as we can.
0: Yeah, like you, they often come in between or during an IVF cycle. So we go that twice a week, sometimes even three times a week for those that are having issues building lining. And then if it works, we um, celebrate, we're happy. And if it doesn't, sometimes we have a little bit of time between that and the next IVF to do more impact. And sometimes they go right into another IVF cycle. So we'll get those three to six months treatments in, but oftentimes we're doing it in between or during an IVF cycle. And just like you, it's, we're supporting and there's an ideal way. Actually, I don't think there's an ideal way. I'll ask you this because you've been in practice almost as long as I have. I've been in since 2000. I used to think there was a right way to do this. There isn't. There's general ideas and with frequencies and what to do, but then each individual comes in with their history and their imbalances and their restrictions um, that can interfere with them coming or doing any of the recommendations. So it really becomes an individualized process and it's based on each individual and that game plan can change. Has that been your experience as well?
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think that the beauty of this medicine is that it's individualized. I do see, you know, benefit in the short term. But I also see that over time with most people, there is even more benefit. So if somebody has a low ovarian reserve, three to six months down the line of doing acupuncture, even if we're not integrating other things, hopefully, you know, there's some lifestyle changes I'm often seeing well, I'm having the report that there's like a higher follicle count when they're, when they're going in. And I think with acupuncture, in my opinion, it is very case specific there are benefits in the short term, but I think, you know, if you can look at it as something that pays dividends over time, then it can be easier to commit.
0: And in your practice, you are often combining it with Chinese herbal medicine, the, your treatments, the same here. And more and more, as of the time of our recording, it's becoming more common. I mean, even the IVF clinics where it used to, used to be opposed to it have become more, as the research comes out, right? more uh, willing, especially in their kitchen sink approach place. (laughs) But uh, I see more and more um, men and women open to and taking the herbs. They still don't taste good um, when we make teas out of them.
1: (laughs) Oh no, I call them junk juice because (laughs)
0: yeah,
1: they're just not tasty, but they work so well.
0: Yeah. And you know, it's, I always say, like the first three days, don't, don't call me to complain because you're not going to be able to think you're going to be able to drink this. It's like licking an ashtray, for some of them, right? <laughs> uh, but I say by the third or fourth day, you're like, okay, I can do this. The first day, you're like, there's no way I'm going to be able to take this. There, you're, he's out of his mind, right? With a few curse, curse languages, I'm sure. Day two, the same thing. Day three or four, for whatever reason, the palate adapts, right? Cause there's no sugar, no additives to these. So they're quite, they can be quite bitter.
1: Yeah, but I also feel like what I've I've had reported from my patients is that yeah the initial couple of days as you say is like whoa this is bad but most people start like can warm up to the they flavor it. because they feel the benefit like yes. you know it's doing good things inside your body and honestly a lot of the women report that they feel like it helps their skin and their hair like there's a beauty
0: component. And- the, well, think of that formula, Wenjing Tang, which is a common fertility formula, which was used in China as a beauty formula, right? To make the lips and the skin vibrant. So, of course, I have, I think of like menorrhagia with this heavy bleeding, where they're like, I can't drink this. And then I remember after a month on it, where they're already seeing a change in that first cycle. She said, is it odd that I like this now? Like I want to drink it, right? So you you probably have had that experience too, where all of a sudden they really enjoy the, the herbal medicine.
1: Oh yeah, junk juice addicts. I'm one of them. <laughs> it's like, I don't care, you know, how much I'm spending or how gross it tastes because I, I have grown over the years to trust in, the, in how powerful the benefit is. But definitely for my patients, like I, I have a lot of them that, you know, even far after they've had their babies, they're still taking it for a variety of other reasons and they love it.
0: I got to sh- share with you a funny story when my son, who's now a teenager, but when he was pre-verbal, him and his older brother were outside playing, and um, he's throwing up. Uh, we don't know why he's throwing up, my youngest, and um, I ask his older brother what happened? Why, do you know why Nate's throwing up? And he said, yeah, he drank Chinese herbal medicine. And I'm like, drank Chinese herbal medicine? So back in the day, um, we used powdered teas, but I used to decoct. I would use the raw herbs and my son, kids would see me make Chinese herbs with all the branches and roots and twigs you know, that come in as herbs. Well, Nate took a bucket, filled it with water and put rocks and branches and probably dog crap into the bucket, mixed oh. it and drank it outside and then started throwing up and uh after that they didn't want when we say when they were young we said we want to go for some chinese food they associated chinese herbal medicine chinese so they're like no 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 chinese food because <laughs>
1: traumatized traumatized by the other yeah. i'm super lazy i get the pharmacies here in new york to cook it for me but our listeners can't see this but anybody who watches the video can see the murky cocktail yeah. that I on a regular basis
0: so, and now um, my kids, um, I have, a, like, when you start to get sick, I have a formula that I like for early stages. And now if they have something and they don't want to be sick, they all ask for the Chinese herbal formula. So they've gotten over it. But I thought for my listeners, for you, just to share with you, yeah, it doesn't taste very good, but people sometimes crave it. In your book, you talk a little bit about the acupuncture and the research that you looked at for the writing of your book. Can you share a little bit for the, the skeptics? And I'll say it's going to be the men. Most of the time when I see people, it's the man that says, I don't know if there's science for this. I will share with you that there is so much science now on how acupuncture works and also related to fertility. But just the mechanism of acupuncture. But can you share a few points from your book where or why you think acupuncture is benefiting those with reproductive health issues?
1: Oh, sure. I love research to support our medicine. You know, it, it's harder to conduct research for Chinese medicine because it's so highly customized. We're not giving you know a blanket treatment to everyone. So I think you know I still believe the magic of our medicine is is in the customization. But you know, there it's so effective that we can standardize it, and and there are protocols that have been shown to help a lot. For men, there was a study that showed that men doing acupuncture twice a week leading up for five, only five weeks leading up to giving their sperm for an IVF cycle, it showed a a very good improvement in embryo quality. So that was interesting. There's a lot of studies on erectile dysfunction and um, sperm quality issues for men. For women, a lot of the studies center around IVF. And I think the studies in general center around IVF because it's so easy to monitor a more structured process, there's still a lot of mystery in the land of natural fertility. So for women, the most famous study was doing acupuncture on the day of embryo transfer before and after embryo transfer. That was a meta-analysis, and I think it's quite well regarded. There are other studies uh, like the Steiner-Vitorin that showed the increase in blood flow through the uterine artery when doing electroacupuncture during the stimulation phase. And also other studies to show that acupuncture in conjunction with taking vitamin E and Viagra greatly improved uh, thickening of the uterine lining in women that were having an issue with that. So we can kind of work on many levels, whether it's growing the eggs, whether it's fostering implantation, growing the uterine lining impacting the male side of the equation. And you know, I I encourage everyone to look at Lauren's website on AcuBalance because I think <laughs> you have some of the research available there, right?
0: We have some of the research there and we have our diet book too where people can look at the diet for fertility because I think it's those small things like diet that lead to big results. So I do want to remind our listeners that it's the diet, lifestyle, mind-body. I'd love to talk a little bit about mind-body because A, we're on the Conscious Fertility Podcast and in your book, you talk about this as well. And so where does this play on the journey of growing your family, having a mind-body approach and kind of what styles do you like?
1: It's huge for me. I think it's one of the most impactful kind of pieces of this fertility puzzle. I have a chapter in my book, it's called the yin and yang of your daily routine. And it's talking about activity versus mindfulness and rest. So I go into what forms of exercise are favorable for various conditions, PCOS versus, you know, low ovarian reserve and how to structure it for your cycle. And then uh, the other part of the chapter is dedicated to mindfulness practices. So be that meditation, meditation, whether you're doing a silent meditation, whether you're listening to meditation. When when people come to my clinic, they're listening to a fertility meditation, oftentimes when they're lying on the table. Positive kind of reprogramming, I would say. I don't want to say positive thinking. I believe that we actually have to reprogram ourselves because we can tend to become so fearful, cynical, mistrusting of our bodies and of this whole process that I spend probably a good 20, 30 minutes coaching my patients before doing acupuncture on how to get back in tune, how to trust your body, trust the process, and to stop trying to control it all. In general, to try to slow down a little bit, take a few things off your plate so that your nervous system can calm down.
0: And I think that's what's so valuable, the way you're, what you share in your book and how you practice is that slowing down or taking things off your plate. This is about um, helping the autonomic nervous system regulate, because this is what's going to help with your hormonal balance, the release of the egg implantation. It's the autonomic nervous system that is running the show our immune system. And so when we can take off some of that pressure, the stress of it we free up resources for healing, creativity, and reproduction. So like you, I think it's undervalued, this mind-body approach. And and it's more than positive thinking. It really is about reprogramming that subconscious or retraining yourself to develop a relaxed state in the body so it can do what it needs to do. And so I I was really um, happy when I saw that in your book on the mind-body approach. It's a big part of my practice. And again, I think it's underused right now, but really important.
1: Well, I think it's, it's really, nobody wants to hear, oh, your stress is impacting your fertility. You need to get less stressed. So I try not to preface it that way. I just try to say, what can we let go of? What, what is it that's weighing you down and, and occupying your thought energy and making you feel tense that we can put to the side for now. And you can revisit later if you need to. And, you know, do you need to overschedule yourself to the point of rushing from here to there to here to there. Because sometimes it's like people don't even think they feel stress, but if you're constantly rushing, then that is sending a stress response through your body that is impactful for your uh, ovarian function.
0: And chronic stress just aggravates, tends to aggravate, most diseases. And if you can develop, because I'm with you on that as well, telling somebody your stress is, is not going to help with their fertility, right? That doesn't that doesn't work either. Teaching tools and being supportive and holding the space so they can find ways to release the stress and change their program so they're not reactive because it's not so much the stressor, it's how we perceive it. So valuable. And again, you talk so much about this in your book. So thank you for writing that because I think it's so, so important.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I The whole treatment of fertility and, and being in this profession, I'm so grateful for because it's really what I've seen is a human being ready to transform their life. And I do feel like a fertility journey is a gift in a really awful package, that it is a call for you to take inventory in every of everything in your life and be honest with yourself about maybe some of the things that aren't serving you and then start to yeah. take those one by one.
0: It's interesting. There's, it's a few of the guests on previous episodes have used the idea that the infertility journey or diagnosis is a wake up call. And for many, they've been able to use that to transform their lives. And they get to a place where they don't like that they're having challenges getting pregnant, but they are grateful that the wake up call has changed who they are because now they get to. I was going to mention this earlier and I lost my thought is when you learn these de stress to, stressing tools, meditation, and you start to feel good. And who doesn't want to feel good, right? And so, you know, if we're all wound up and tense, we're not even aware of it, it doesn't feel good in the body. And then you become conscious of it. It still doesn't feel good in the body. And so again, it's not enough just to want to feel good or be less stressed or think positive. There's tools. And you play those meditations in your treatment room for your patients. That's helping them unwind. And then you teach them tools and there's stuff in your book. And so, yeah, infertility can be a wake up call for us as in a call to action to do our inner work so we can heal whether we have baby or not, we can become whole and complete again where we feel we feel good.
1: Yeah, we're, we're more on the path. We just we become so disconnected over time, I think, with how plugged in we are and I think wake up calls come in different forms obviously fertility is one of them maybe cancer is another who knows right it, there's right. so many ways that you know that we are woken up that we never would have ever wished on anyone the things that we will learn in this process and how we will benefit ourselves and the people around us and potentially our, our family, our future family-to-be.
0: Now, did I miss anything with your approach? You do some gentle detox, you go over diet and lifestyle, you have a mind-body approach, you're using acupuncture and herbal medicine. Did I miss anything that you're doing in your practice that you'd want our listeners to be made aware of that's, that's out there and that you talk about in your book?
1: That's really the gist of it. It's really an empowerment through, uh, you know, teaching people how to live well for their fertility, using catered nutraceuticals and nutrition to enhance fertility, the power of herbal and Eastern medicine. I use moxibustion. A lot. That is a form of Chinese medicine, wherein we burn a type of sage near uh, certain acupuncture points. I know it sounds very woo-woo when I say it like that, but it's very powerful. That has been shown in studies to help with male fertility and female fertility.
0: Uh, Let our listeners know that you can learn more about Christina at her. Go to her clinic website, naturnalife.com. That's N-A-T-U-R-N-A life.com. And also the title of her book is called The Ultimate Fertility Guide. Everything you need to know about natural fertility strategies and IVF. So using these strategies to support you, whether you're trying to conceive naturally or with IVF. Is there any other ways that our listeners can find you? So we can put that in the show notes that you would like us to share. Do you have an Instagram channel?
1: I certainly do. You can find me at Dr. Christina Burns on Instagram or at Naterna underscore life.
0: Perfect. So we'll put those in the show notes as well. Christina, it was so nice to see you again here. We're recording this, everybody over Zoom. And the last time I saw you was in Vancouver at one of the Integrated Fertility Symposiums. And uh, it was just so nice when I saw that you wrote this book because we haven't been in touch for a couple of years to see what you've been doing and just the wealth of information that you shared. And so I'm happy now I can share this with the listeners because it's an excellent book you wrote. So thank you for writing that book.
1: Thank you for having me and for giving me an opportunity to share more of it with our listeners.
0: If you're looking for support to grow your family,
1: contact AcuBalance Wellness Center. At AcuBalance, they help you reach your peak fertility potential through their integrative approach, using low-level laser therapy, fertility acupuncture, and naturopathic medicine. Download the AcuBalance fertility diet and Dr. Brown's video for mastering manifestation and clearing subconscious blocks. Go to AcuBalance.ca. That's A-C-U-Balance.ca.
0: Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Conscious Fertility, the show that helps you receive life on purpose. Please take a moment to subscribe to the show and join the community of women and men on their path to peak fertility and choosing to live consciously on purpose. I would love to continue this conversation with you. So please direct message me on Instagram at Lauren Brown Official. That's Instagram, Lauren Brown Official. Or you can visit my websites, laurenbrown.com and acubalance.ca. Until the next episode, stay curious. And for a few moments, bring your awareness to your heart center and breathe.